Did you suffer child abuse and somehow get through life not dealing with it because outwardly you were just fine? Did things happen in your adult life that took you back to that place of shame and worthlessness, but you didn't necessarily connect what you were feeling with your past? This three-part series takes you through my own personal story and suffering in silence and then the many years of work necessary to change how I saw the past and could finally begin to see God's amazing transformation in my life. If you, like me, were one of the one billion children who have experienced physical, sexual, or emotional violence or neglect, Let's give voice to this and share our journey together. Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to Your Story is a Legacy show. My name is Rosanna Jackalone, and I'll be your host, your life story guide, your legacy coach, your spiritual healer and friend. This show will help you get inspired and give you resources and practical tips so you can craft and tell your unique life story for yourself, your children, and generations to come. I bet you are asking, well, how will this show make my life better? It will do that by first helping you to get to know yourself more deeply and in the process learn your passions and the unique gifts you bring to the world. Second, it helps you get through transitions, things like job loss, marriage, childbirth, relocation, even things like divorce. It also helps you heal by turning traumas in your life into triumphs. And finally, it helps you create a legacy to leave for yourself, your family, and future generations. If that sounds good to you, let's begin our journey together. In the last episode, I took you through the early years of my life and when I first spoke of the abuse I was experiencing. In this episode, I am going to share with you how this manifested in my early working years, some tragic events that happened, and the long journey in therapy to go back and understand my childhood with fresh eyes, forgiveness, and lots of love and self-compassion. In this episode, we start at the ripe age of 21, <laughs> I've landed my first job in New York City in the field I so loved, advertising. But I was saddled with student loans and still living at home with my parents since I could not afford to rent a closet in New York City on my entry-level salary. My old patterns of working really hard to demonstrate my worth were in full effect at work. And I quickly learned 
that the voice of mine that was suppressed in childhood, I would continue to suppress in meetings. I was nervous to share an opinion or speak if I wasn't being spoken to. Eventually, through God's favor, hard work, persistence, and yes, a little luck, my career was on the rise. I had a wonderful job at Elle Magazine. I owned my first apartment near my middle brother's home on Central Park West and was beginning to feel outwardly confident in my abilities. I would enjoy lots of time with my brother in New York City since he was my best friend. On weekends, I would spend time with my sister that I adored and my brother-in-law I adored at their super fun home where most of my great family and our friends would gather. My sister became pregnant with the first of her three children and life was seemingly wonderful. And then my world would turn upside down. My middle brother tested positive for HIV. He was in his 20s at the time. So bright, so vibrant, so full of life. Of course, we all thought it would pass. Yet, it was the 80s, and the world seemed to be flooded with images from the scourge of AIDS. Suddenly, we were scared. Johnny's deterioration, in spite of both his surrender to God and his will to try every and any treatment he was able to was too much to bear. He had become a surrogate father figure to me and there was no one I admired or respected more. Plus, we went out together all the time and his friends became my friends. Often, I was a third party on the date with he and his longtime partner, Gary. Going with him for chemo, Picking up his medications, shopping for him, all made his physical demise more obvious. He was still mentally strong, but eventually he would succumb to the disease. My family and I would bury him on May 5th, 1997. It was a tragedy in so many ways. This vibrant force of life this incredible, young, handsome, renaissance man had been taken away too early from this world. He had so many more things he wanted to do. The loss of Johnny was so, so tough. I had followed him everywhere from the time we were kids. My mother refers to us as twins because we were so similar. I was going to follow him forever. We had so many dreams ahead of us. It was as if we were running the relay race and Johnny was always ahead of me with a baton waiting to pass it off to me. And now when I finally caught up and he passed it to me, he was gone and I felt so alone. Johnny's death is what began my many years in my many years process in therapy. I remember how painful those sessions were. For those who have been through the grieving process, you know it is hard enough. 
but I remember being surprised that my therapist also wanted me to talk about my childhood. That angered me. I asked her, what does that have to do with what is going on? And she patiently replied, everything. What she would explain is that I would be undergoing trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, which simply means she was going to incorporate trauma-sensitive interventions with other behavioral techniques. What she did not tell me (laughs) is that I would be doing this for almost 20 years. I remember protesting and then crying when she wanted me to go back to our childhood home and relive those scary times and share some of the painful things I had never shared. I said to her, living through this was like swallowing a glass bottle. I don't know how I did it, but I did. Talking to you about this feels like I'm regurgitating that bottle and it is cutting my insides all the way up each time I talk to you about it. My therapist then explained that until I dealt with, fully dealt with my past, I would not be able to release the unhealthy feelings and behavior, nor would I have the tools to build a healthy foundation for relationships with the opposite sex. Somehow I seem to be doing just fine with my female friends. The process of this therapy was so painful. I had learned about my lack of self-love, my lack of self-care, my lack of boundaries, my lack of healthy relationships with the opposite sex, and just overall not even knowing what I enjoyed or who I really was. I had to also face a fact that is common in child abuse. As victims, we grow up either swallowing the aggressor, the person who treated us so badly, and become, if we do this, we become that scary, angry person. Or if we don't swallow the aggressor, we get swallowed by the aggressor. And by that I mean we shrink and we really uh, continue to stay in that victim role. Somehow it seemed I managed to do both. I was the aggressor sometimes, and then other times it was, oh, I'm the victim. Um, Neither one of these behaviors was healthy, and I was determined to break free of this past no matter how long it took. There were times I would feel a breakthrough, and other times I would have a setback. It took so much work and seeking out healthy situations and relationships, sharing more of my truth, finding a safe church community and spiritual advisor, in this case, my priests, and then a few confidants, people who I am still best friends with today. I also had to forgive my father who was still alive and accept that he did the best job he could. And I also had to know he was a victim of victims. The abuse cycle perpetuates itself until it's actually broken. I wanted to be the one to break it. I also had to continue to focus on all the good things 
my father had done for me and the many good things I had learned from him. My father would end up passing a few years after my brother. However, unlike my brother, we had little time to prepare for his death. He had a massive heart attack, and when we went to the hospital to see him, I remember feeling both love and fear. I stroked his face, and I said, I love you, Daddy. Yet at the same time, I had that irrational fear that he would wake up and yell at me. The doctor sent my siblings and I home for the night, saying Dad would be fine and we could come back for visiting hours the next day. My youngest brother, Lewis, and I had just driven back to the city from Long Island where the hospital was. I put my pajamas on and was lying down ready to go to sleep when the phone rang. It was the doctor telling me my father was dead. The feelings about his death were so complicated. I was so sad about losing my father, and yet I feel like I never got to address our relationship issues with him because he was not mentally well. So I had to work through that process after his death on my own with a therapist. Fortunately, I kept working on my healthy behaviors and who I wanted to be. My life would eventually begin to go to a really wonderful place. My health was great. My family was great. I was in love with my nieces and nephews. I had the most amazing best friends. My career was soaring, and I was traveling all over the world. The only thing that seemed to elude me was the equal partner, just like the one I had in college. Why did that not happen? Why wasn't it happening? Well, I'm going to end on this note and we'll finish up next week when I share my highest high and my lowest of lows. The low that hurled me into depression and not wanting to wake up when I went to sleep at night and the painful regression to the dysfunctional parts of my childhood. Spoiler alert, (laughs) then comes the miracle of God. He took me at my most broken, most fragile, and used my suffering for his glory. It was years of waiting and believing at some of the lowest points when I had no answers or explanations. I can't wait to share with you the culmination of this three-part series and show you how all of it happened to make me who I am today and how God would use me to do his kingdom work. I hope this episode has blessed you in some way. If you have an experience you would like to share in our safe, private Facebook community of inspiring people and life storytellers, please go to My Magnus Opus Community on Facebook. And before I go, I want to let you know about a new service I'm offering to work with you one-on-one to help you address the top needs you've shared with me. Most of you have told me that you wish you could find time for simple pleasures and making time for yourself. The coaching session I've created with an accountability template and follow-up call will help you do just that. 
I only have two coaching slots left for the month of April, so if you would like to grab one or find out more, please go to www.mymagnusopus.com and click on the coaching tab. I can't wait to have the pleasure to work with you one-on-one. And until next time, I'm sending you so much light and love. If you feel inspired by this show, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes or subscribe to the show since I update the topics weekly. And if you feel there are others who would like this show, please take a screenshot of the show, add it to your Instagram story, and tag me at mymagnusopus. Also, I'd like to get to know you, so please join our email list by signing up at www.mymagnusopus.com. You can also join our private Facebook group of like-minded legacy storytellers by going to My Magnus Opus Community. Thanks so much for tuning in. May your day be full of abundance in everything you do and keep your head up always. Until next time, I'm sending you love and light. Music